Hey friend, welcome back to the Sum It Up podcast. I'm your host, Blake Reed Evans, and we are the podcast that is dedicated to bringing happiness to the salon industry. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about creating safety for LGBTQIA individuals within our salon, whether they're an employee or a guest of the salon. And the individual we're going to have a conversation with is Emily Holiday. Now, Emily is the owner of Emily Holiday Salon, a stylist, activist, and humanitarian, and just such an incredible human being who, through amazing conversations, I've learned so much. And the conversations were so good that I said, we need to hit record, Emily, on this conversation and share this with so many people. Um, So Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to start by saying thank you for holding space to have these conversations to help make our community and the world of the beauty industry a bit more comfortable and equitable for all people. So thank you for holding space for me. Of course. I mean, I, like I said in the intro, I I really, I've learned so much just listening to you speak one thing I, I really love is the way that you communicate about how we're trying to create a, a safe space for all people. That doesn't mean that it's not in- inclusive to those who are cisgender or heterosexual. It's truly like a safe space for, for all people. So can, can you expand on that? Cause I really, I love, I love your approach on that. Sure. Happy to. So I think that the easiest way to put it is that we all come to every situation in our lives with unique lived experience. So whether that is in our professional life and our personal life, when we walk into a room, we're carrying everything we've lived. And if we show up in those spaces and we don't see people that look like us or we're in spaces where we're not being fully recognized, it's harder for us to show up completely. So we hold part of our self back sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I think going into places where you can be really comfortable and seen and feel safe, you're able to really lean into those difficult moments and do deeper work and really give your best. So I think allowing people those spaces, safe spaces, and then sometimes even beyond that, brave spaces, is that you can build lifelong connections and network beyond maybe what you could have done if you were limiting yourself. And I I think what I'm hearing too is, you know, people are scared to go there too, because, you know, I I think a lot of salon owners know that the right thing to do is to be supportive of all people, but they can also be really scared of pushback and, and it's understandable. I mean, we're seeing in the news, you know, that hospitals are being threatened for providing healthcare to, to mm-hmm. transgender human beings. So if you could give a salon owner just top line, where do I start to start creating a inclusive space? What would you say to them? So I think the first thing to do is to have a basic understanding of identity. So my goal with you today is to not radicalize people and really challenge them. It's to add a few simple tools and information that they can carry into really starts with the onboarding experience, having a conversation with the salon manager. So that way they can have policies in their manual to address things that may come up. So even the paperwork a new employee would fill out, make sure you're including their pronouns on it. Because of course, whenever we're onboarding somebody, we're going to have their legal name, but we're also going to have their chosen name included in that paperwork. And 
any information that is facing the interior of the salon, meaning like computers or paperwork or paychecks, were having their chosen name on it, not their legal name. So that's insulating the salon from embarrassment, but it's also making that employee feel seen and protected and safe and having conversations too with your other stylist. Something to remember about approaching the queer community or any community you're not a part of as a cishet person is that to remember that it's not their responsibility to educate you. So if they decide to inform you about an issue or about an experience they're having, take it, but don't expect them to hold your hand through the process. Particularly in leadership roles, it is your responsibility to inform yourself about issues that may affect your team or the environment you work in. So that's why I think it is important to independently pursue information about the queer community, particularly trans and non-binary people, um, about how to include them. And also to the queer people that may be listening, while it is not our responsibility to educate people about our experiences, it is our responsibility to advocate for ourselves. So if we're in a space that we're working professionally, it is our responsibility to let the people know whenever they have mistreated us because sometimes it's malicious, but sometimes it's just ignorance. So like there's a delicate line about advocating for ourselves and allowing other people to get information that may not necessarily be accurate. And Emily, we're using a lot of terms too. Um, can we do like a back and forth, like let's define define terms for people like a glossary? I love it. First, LGBTQIA+. Um, let's, sure. let's define that first. So I like to use the term the queer community, mm-hmm. which um, is a little complicated because the term queer historically has been used as a slur, but the community in, in the last 20 years has really worked to like reclaim it. But um, LGBTQIA+, is each letter is an acronym representing a piece of the community. So L would be lesbian, B would be bisexual, G, L, G. (laughs) (laughs) They call it the alphabet mafia for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, we are are out here in these streets wet and wild. So L, G, B, T, Q, I, A plus. L is lesbian, G is gay, B is bisexual, T is transgender, I is intersexed, A, did I miss one? I don't want to miss nobody. L, G, B, T, Q. Q is, so there's, there's some, there's some, um, there's some confusion sometimes around Q. So some people believe that it represents questioning, meaning you're undecided about your sexual orientation or identity. And other people believe that Q means queer, meaning you're part of the community, but you don't distinctly identify as a particular Mm -hmm. identity within the community. So some people say questioning, some people say queer. I is intersexed. So intersex is a term that means whenever you were born, you were not assigned male or female at birth because you may have, you may be possessing one or more of the um, sexual reproductive organs. So that's what intersex means. So A means asexual or aromantic. So that means an individual who um, maybe does not experience a romantic or sexual attraction. 
they are included in the queer community because essentially the queer community is anyone who does not identify as cishet. And cishet means cisgender heterosexuals. And then what does cisgender mean? Cisgender means you identify with the sex you were assigned at birth, the gender you were assigned at birth. So if you were born um, with a penis and you identify as male, you would be cisgender. That's an example of what it would mean to be cisgender. Now, I also want us to get really clear on that there are really different experiences within each each community within the community. And I think one thing that we have to help define is the difference between um, gender and sexuality and romanticism. Um, Absolutely. So our sexuality is who we go to bed with. Mm-hmm. And our gender identity is who we go to bed as. Mm. And then there's a difference between sexual attraction and romantic attraction. Mm-hmm. So let's say somebody is attracted to more than one identity. So maybe someone is attracted to men and women or men and non-binary people or any combination of identities. Mm-hmm. Some people may be sexually attracted to one identity, but romantically attracted to a different. So that means they're romantic identity is maybe different than their sexual identity. And then what does it mean for an individual to be non-binary? And I really want us to get a little granular with this because a lot of people are acting like this is brand new information to the world. I just think that social media and the internet and media has brought it to the forefront. I could talk about this all day. I'm so glad you brought that up. You're absolutely right. There are people in this world who are acting ball-headed and confused, like it is groundbreaking information, when truly non-binary and gender non-conforming individuals have existed throughout the history of mankind. But since we live in the Western world, we see things through the Western lens. And the society we exist in as Westerners is a binary system. And so what that means is binary meaning two parts of a system, so male or female. So anything outside of that male or female two-part system would be considered non-binary. So non-binary can mean an individual identifies as somewhere in between male and female, or they exist outside of the binary system completely, meaning they identify as neither male or female. And so we see these identities more common in indigenous communities. There are individuals in the indigenous community of the Americas called two-spirited, which means they possess the spirit of both male and female. And there's other places in the world, predominantly indigenous communities, also hold space for identities of people who are neither male nor female or both. And when I was doing some of my own research, as I was learning um, a few years ago there, I mean, there are even areas of Philippines and Indonesia that not only like recognize it, but like celebrate that about a human being, about discovering who they are as a person. So I think that, you know, just because we didn't know it existed doesn't mean that it Mm -hmm. didn't exist before, you know. I think this is a great opportunity to talk a little bit about the difference between comprehending and compassion. So I think sometimes people feel like I have to completely understand something or I can't respect Mm -hmm. it. And I think the reality is we can respect something and have compassion for people, even if we don't necessarily understand their experience, right? So I think sometimes I hear a lot 
very regularly about people, particularly in the cishet community, is they don't understand the they them pronouns or they don't understand people who are non binary. Mm -hmm. And what my response to them is to say that, well, it's not urgently important that you understand what it what the experience of a non binary person is, but it is urgently important that you respect mm -hmm. them. And, and, and you can inform yourself about their experience later. And so exercise I love to do in workshops is when people say, I don't know how to use they, them pronouns. And I explain to them, so let's say you have an appointment at two o'clock and they have a um, androgynous name like Jordan or Alex. That could be for, um, uh, that could be for somebody of any identity, right? And so I say, you have an appointment on your, on your book, two o'clock, Jordan, and you're talking about them to an assistant or to the front desk, how are you going to describe them? And they immediately go into saying they, them, because they don't know the gender. So I think that is a great practice mm -hmm. is that we're not assuming Alex is male or female or uses he or she pronouns. Mm -hmm. We're just referring to them by their name. And something else I really push back on is people say, well, grammatically, yeah. that's not correct, or that is not how the English language works. And my response to them is, language is a tool we use to communicate to mm -hmm. one another. So naturally, as we evolve and change in our communities and in the world and how we communicate, language will also change. There wasn't a word for email before there were right. emails. But then when we started having electronic mail we found something that worked. I find it very bizarre too that people can't get their head wrapped around using a new name for somebody or someone's pronouns when, you know, in traditional culture, when a woman gets mm. married, we're thrilled we're to use so her excited. new name. You know, she's Mrs. Jones, even though she used to be Mrs. We Smith before, or Miss Smith before. Now she's Mrs. Jones. And we're so excited and it's celebrated. Yet an individual who's discovering themselves decides this is my name this is who i am this is how i want to be referred to it's met with i don't get it it's complicated it's hard i'm old yet now someone's saying this is who i am which to me i think is a lot more exciting mm -hmm. someone discovering who they are mm -hmm. for the people who are trying their best and are trying to yes. use the right the correct name not to dead name somebody or you. use the right pronouns how can they correct themselves without making it weird that is something that comes up so often. And what I say to people is give yourself grace and lean into it. And because as a trans person, so I did not always use the name Emily and I did not always use she, her pronouns. And along that social, so a social transition means you are transitioning in your social life. So it may not mean medical our legal transition, because those are different. But during your social transition, that's when you're telling people you're using a new name, you're using a new pronoun, your identity is evolving to better match you. There's going to be hiccups along the way. And right, it's a, it's a force of habit. You're used to saying a certain name, you're used to saying certain pronouns, and people can stumble upon that, which is understandable. And I think a lot of trans people will give other people grace as long as you're actively trying. And what I say, the number one thing to do is correct yourself. So let's say I'm speaking to someone and their name is Ashley and Ashley uses she, her pronouns. And I accidentally say he, him pronouns. I say, Ashley, please excuse me, her, right? And so what you're doing in that, in that moment is you're letting Ashley know 
I caught myself. Those are not your pronouns. And this is what I'm mm-hmm. doing. I apologize. And I'm using your correct pronouns. What I do not recommend doing is making a scene. Because what you see a lot of people do when they accidentally misgender someone or use the wrong pronouns, they say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And they really like they build it into something. And what you could actually do is maybe make that person feel unsafe and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you make their identity about you, which is kind of rude. So quickly address it, apologize, and correct yourself and move forward. And eventually you get it. It's just like when you move homes and you leave work and you're used to taking the left turn and then going down the street and getting to the house. And now you have to relearn the path to get to your new home. It's the same thing. It's a habit. And once you call her Ashley and you she, her pronouns enough, eventually it'll come natural to you. And the same thing with they, them pronouns. And so there's a lot of ways in the salon space and in the beauty community to allow people to share their pronouns with you without you having to guess. At our salon, uh, we added, it must have been two years ago now, we added just requesting pronouns um, on our application. We don't make it a requirement, but we do give room for people to uh, put their pronouns. And Emily, just on the business side of things, like, our application skyrocketed because that was a clear signal that our salon company is a a safe space. What are some other things that people can do to make sure that they're signaling to the world that they are a safe space? I have a handful of easy, simple things to do just that. You can purchase pronoun pins or you can make your own pronoun pins and put them in a bowl at the front desk. Mm -hmm. So you could do she, her, hers, he, him, his, they, them, their, he, she, they, which means you accept all pronouns, um, they, their, and that way, if somebody shows up and they're not queer, they're cishet, they, they're, you know, they don't feel the need to use them, they won't use them. And so you understand, well, this person is not trans or non-binary, or they're not wanting to identify as trans Mm -hmm. or non-binary. And other people who may be in transition or have transitioned or maybe an ally or part of the community, they can pick up that pin, slip it on their robe whenever, you know, they're changing for their service. And then, you know, immediately those are that person's pronouns. Another thing you can do, build it into your consultation. When you as a stylist are going up to the front to meet somebody that's setting, waiting to be serviced, or you are a receptionist greeting somebody, the best way to capture pronouns is introduce yourself first. Hi, my name is Emily. I'll be taking care of you today. My pronouns are she, her. May I have your name and pronouns? And as a trans person, that makes me feel very seen and Mm -hmm. safe. Very seen and safe. I love that. I love the idea of having the pens as part of a comfort menu for a salon company. That's genius. How do we get people on board in our salon company that don't get it. If you could see me right now, I put giant air quotes up. Like that may be very resistant, resistant or they may be uncomfortable yep. around it. I, I hear you. That is something that comes up a lot, particularly in groups that are um, very monolithic mm-hmm. or um, homogeneous, meaning, you know, everybody in this particular group may be the same age, the same ethnicity. I think the best way to approach that is to humanize it and to speak to it as saying like, I'm not here to take away your identity. I'm not here to challenge the way you identify. I want you 
to be respected and I want you to respect other people. And you don't have to comprehend it, but you do have to be compassionate. And also make it a standard of your business and lead by example. And I think the something that is so important is to diversify your team. Mm-hmm. Because when you go into a space, whether it's a restaurant, a salon, a law firm, a hospital, anywhere, and you see somebody that looks like you, you feel like you belong Mm -hmm. there, right? So I think having a salon that is diverse makes your clientele more diverse. And it's not just good for you mentally and emotionally and communally. It's good for you financially. It's a good business decision to diversify your team that ties into the idea of intersectionality. My profession is I'm a beauty industry professional, but my passion is really community building and something that I've learned that like the more complex our identity is, the more hurdles we have to face. So I have privilege because I'm a white person, Mm -hmm. but I also have hurdles because I'm a trans person. Now let's imagine an individual who is a woman of color and it's mm-hmm. trans. So now she's facing misogyny, racism, sexism, transphobia. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? So it becomes more and more challenged. So I think what's so important is that we're going into spaces to set our ego down and to use the privilege we may have to hold space for other people. Uh, that's so, so well put. Yeah, I think that that's, that's beautiful. I want to say a couple of statements. <laughs> okay. uh, I've heard in the past from either people sitting in my chair or people around me or stuff that I've also seen in the media. So I'll play the role of different levels Mm. of someone who is either homophobic or transphobic um, or just not having a clear understanding of of what that means or what they're saying. And I would love to hear Mm. your beautiful responses to those things. I want to make a note on this too, is what we're doing right now is this is a brave space. So this is a space where we're allowed to make mistakes and we're allowed to grow from them. And when you're in a workshop, that's what that is. That's a space for you to ask Mm -hmm. questions and to challenge yourself and to be challenged. Whereas a safe space is a space where maybe the goal there is not to challenge and be challenged. It's to be safe and to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. to explore yourself. So in these moments, I'm a professional engaging with another professional. Please do not expect every trans person to to engage with you about these issues. Um, and I'm happy. Let's. I I'm. I think this is a valuable conversation, and I agree. Let's let's do it. And listen, there's nothing I haven't heard. Okay. <laughs> so I hear this one a lot. Um, <laughs> I have a niece who's trans, and now she's a boy. Yes, that is very common. So what I would say if I heard someone say, my niece is trans and now she is a boy. So I think the first thing to say would be to be really clear is to first of all say, well, thank you so much for supporting them. That's wonderful because it's positive because they found out you're trans and they're wanting to connect with you and tell you about a trans person they know. So I'm not going to shame them on that. So there's a difference between calling people out and calling people in. When you call people out, it does very little and it makes them resistant and they shut down. But if you call them in, you're inviting them to an opportunity of growth. So I would call this person in and say, thank you so much for sharing that, friend. I'm so happy to hear you're supportive of your nephew. Um, What are your nephew's pronouns? And so then you're giving them an opportunity to think and pause and be like, he, him. Okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. What is your nephew's name? Mm -hmm. 
right? So I'm inviting them into that moment where they can have the realization for themselves. I don't have to be aggressive with them. I can just hold space for them to maybe have an aha moment by themselves. You know what I mean? Beautiful, Emily. I love, I lo- always love that quote is, are you calling people out? Or are you calling people in? Okay, ready for the next one? Let's do it. I'm okay with people being gay as long as they just don't throw it in my face. Okay. Um, what I think is interesting, it's the um, socialization of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so like we are presented in a world that is this idea of puritanical, white, Christian identity. Most stories in our culture are centered around a man and a woman falling mm-hmm. in love. And we don't think of it as sexual. We think of it as yep. romantic right? We think of it as emotional and a relationship. We don't think of them necessarily having sex. Mm -hmm. And I think the issue that I hear a lot with that is like, well, I don't care if they're gay. I just don't want it in my face or I don't know why their personalities revolved around it. And it's like, well, friend, it is a part of their experience. So of course it's going to be presented to the world just as you are engaged in the world authentically. And that includes the people you date and have sex with and are romantic with. So like the idea of wanting to diminish somebody's queerness to make you more comfortable is kind of absurd. So I think the first thing I would say to that, if I was in a safe space is I would say like, well, do you go to dinner with your wife? You know, like you participate in the world as a person who is not gay. So why do gay people not get to participate in the world as a gay person? And also, it's about oppression. So for so long, being gay in America was considered a mental illness and a crime. So if you've been oppressed about something, yeah, you're going to have a little bit more fun when you finally get to do it. You know what I mean? And I I think to tack on to that too, you know, when people say like, gay people make it their entire personality. And it's like, well, a lot of heterosexual people do the same thing. Like, you know, the, the sexy fireman calendars to the, the sports illustrated um, magazine covers, you know, like buy their son's t-shirts that say late. Yeah, no, literally. And they're like two months old. Making (laughs) his his identity around sexuality. It's absurd. I give a lot of grace for people because of institutionalism, right? So these ideas, racism, sexism, homophobia, misogyny, those are institutions in our society, which we have to dismantle. So I do give people a little bit more grace because they've been institutionalized to think certain things. That doesn't mean they don't get to be challenged. That means I I have an understanding of why they think these things because it's been fed to them, but it is their responsibility now to unlearn them and to grow as an individual. For someone who wants to learn more about queer people and how to be inclusive, what are some resources? Do you have like any websites or books or podcasts that you would recommend? Oh my God. I could go all day long. (laughs) There are so many delicious resources you can get. You can take a bite out of my favorite trans advocate is Janet Mock. She has three books. And um, the way she shares her experience as a trans woman, it makes me feel seen. And it also breaks my heart. Like it is the most intimate, beautiful, honest portrayal of the trans experience. Also, I think a great way for you to gain understanding of queer people, particularly trans and non-binary people is boots on the ground. Get out there in the world. 
develop meaningful connections with trans and queer people, particularly in community. So I recommend going through a volunteer orientation program and giving your time to people in need, particularly um, queer Mm -hmm. youth. So I think if you really want to develop connections, you really want to inform yourself, find a youth center in your community, put your hours in there and do the hard Mm -hmm. work. Emily, I know that you are also an amazing resource. So how can people get in touch with you? Sure. So I am a, I am a brave space. So you can ask difficult questions. You can engage with me about content or a topic you may be afraid to discuss with a queer or trans people in your life, because I do this professionally, so it's okay to ask me the hard questions. You can reach me on social media, on Instagram, at Emily Emily Holiday Beauty on Instagram. <laughs> and then I do offer um, queer inclusivity and identity workshops for salons and other organizations. So that is a great way to um, expand. And I, I think my real call to action today is of course we want to offer skills that can help you professionally, but I also want to offer something that can help you personally and like spiritually. And that is really to like think about how we engage with one another, queer or not, um, compassionately and gently and understand too that like as we come into the room with our own unique lived experiences, so does everybody else in the room. And sometimes they're carrying stuff and hurt that is not about you. And so let's give people a little bit more compassion as they're learning and growing and making mistakes and celebrate one another's wins, Mm -hmm. right? With that, um, Emily, what does happiness mean to you? Oh my goodness. Um, that is something I, uh, I struggle with actually the idea of happy, um, cause happy feels ephemeral. So I'm not an individual who pursues happiness. I pursue fulfillment. And I think fulfillment is being useful. What does happiness mean to me? Hmm. Queso. <laughs> I love it. That really sparks joy for me. Queso and like Melted a little cheese. sweet treat. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And um, we will definitely have you back for a follow-up because there's a lot more conversations we need to have. Thank you so much for having me on. Sum It Up is produced by Andrew Moraskin. The executive editor is Tim Fisk, and I'm Blake Reed Evans. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show your support is to share this podcast with a friend or a coworker. We would be honored if you left a rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts. And if you're a Spotify user, you can rate us on there too. As always, you can always follow Summit on Instagram and TikTok at Summit Salon. You and I can connect on Instagram and TikTok as well at Blake Reed Evans. My DMs are always open. Be well, friends, and we'll talk soon.